We ultimately always seek the best experiences. It's our storybook and ultimately what makes us feel and build connections. This is the same with other people and even as customer transacting value with a business or individuals. So for this episode, customer experience is people experience. I speak to Peng Chui Kian or better known as Teacher Kian, sought after trainer and public speaker who teaches participants how to connect and build rapport with anyone leading to stronger sales, marketing, leadership, relationships, self-love, and interview skills, who is also a licensed headmaster and barrister of UK Middle Temple and a former investment banker. In our chat, we try to really define what customer experience is. Are we looking at it purely from a transactional perspective or is there far more to it and how we can reconcile it with people's complex framework of experience? We explore a term that he uses pretty often, which is the law of connection and how one can utilize it towards creating a great experience or experiences. Building rapport is crucial conversations we also had and the three step on how one can do so. And finally, we try to explore how can we strike a balance between tech convenience and the human experience in this digitalized age. Have a listen. Okay, so we are here for the 23rd episode of uh, Talk To Me. And I kind of like this number 23rd because it also goes to my birthday. Haha, it's coming up. But anyways, thank you everybody for joining us for this episode. And it's been going on for so long. And now we actually have Pang Chui. Uh, Choi Kian, or better known, or everybody loves to call him this, Teacher Kian. So we'll be calling him Teacher Kian throughout the show today. Uh, you heard in the intro that uh, he's a trainer, he's a public speaker, he has strong sales, marketing, leadership, relationships, uh, self-love, and interview skills. Uh, and also he's a corporate trainer as well. That's why you see it in the name as well. So welcome to the show, Teacher Kian. How are you doing today? I am doing very good, my friend. I hope that to all our listeners, wherever you are in the world, right? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope that you're having a productive day. Nigesh and I are having a smashing of a time over here. I swear this energy is just so infectious. Like every time I talk to you, it's this very intense, infectious energy that you exude. <laughs> you know, if, if I could just get like a smidge of that into my life, I think my life would be like constantly on rainbows kind of thing I, I don't know how you do it honestly is there a trick to this hey i think you're selling yourself short you know every time i speak to you i'm automatically in a good mood nigesh you know so i think the, the, the feeling is mutual don't sell yourself short i think that you're very full of energy as well wow wow wow, wow. i feel so nice feel nice. so nice and also our producer is in the back end as well as shashi and uh, he already kind of is talking to us in the chat here and he's saying i'm feeling better already just listening to teacher ken you see you see infectious energy all right <laughs> let's get to the topic at hand today and we're we're talking about this concept of customer experience is people experience. Now that's something pretty important to state because most of us kind of look at customer experience very in a business sense and a business sense. And it's yeah. like a, the golden goose of that most businesses seek at um, ensuring continuity in their business and profitability in the business. But I think it's a bit more than that. So I want to ask you first, Tichi Ken, on this one, what does customer experience mean to you? You know what, Nigesh, I think that is a lovely talking point to go and start off with. And as an expert on leadership as you are, right? Okay, you know, there's this form of leadership called transactional leadership, right? Correct. Where, yeah, you know, okay, you reward people when uh, you, everything is a transaction, everything is a business interaction. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you are quite right. Many companies, many organizations have structured their customer experience and, cust and customer service as well in a very transactional way. If the yeah. customer is behaving... Mm -hmm. then it is easy for the organization to love them. But if the customer is not behaving, then you will see that the organization struggles to go and deal with them. But that's not how it should be, isn't it? Right. You, know, you know, your love for your customer, your service level, your dedication and your enthusiasm for the customer should be unconditional, hmm. right? You shouldn't change your hat or you shouldn't change your mood because you are a company. 
right. you need to go and treat everyone with the same amount of respect, enthusiasm, zest, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of whether they are behaving or not. Right. Now, that's the first point. Second mm -hmm. thing, which I really would like to go and talk to you about, and I would love to go and hear what you think, is that, mm -hmm. yes, many organizations are starting to treat their customers as data, as mm. numbers, no mm. longer as people. Mm -hmm. The proof of the matter is, right, okay, different people have different preferences, different mm. people have different behaviors, different people have different beliefs. Mm -hmm. And this is something which we need to go and train our customer experience departments or customer service departments to mm -hmm. understand they're not just numbers, mm -hmm. right? Everyone has a voice on social media now, mm -hmm. right? If mm -hmm. we were to mismanage the way we handle our customers, right? If we were to go and treat customers differently just because they're not behaving in the way we want them to, it is going to come out really, really quickly. You're right. You're right in the point because I'm a firm believer that your relationship and that word that your relationship with your customer is what keeps your customer. And when you start become very transactional with the relationship, you feel like, yes, you are either a currency or <laughs> you're either just this kind of checkbox in a checklist that you're right. going through um, for you. Yes. For you to get certain values that you're looking for, but at the same time, you're kind of contributing your value to the business itself. You don't yeah. feel that bond with that business. You don't feel that connection with that business. You don't know other than just buying the product from your business, you don't feel anything other than that for that business. And then comes the problem where, why would I want to go back to them again? Why would yeah. I have any affinity to them again? And yeah. this then becomes the problem where people or businesses don't get to have continuity in business. But I yeah. want to pick on something that you mentioned that just now, you already said it. I did want to ask you about this and you know, when we treat customers as just a data point or just a transaction, you already said that people are complex. People are complex in nature. People yep. have different feelings, different emotions, different ways they handle things, different ways they understand certain things. So if I were to ask you, like, is there a way, is there a way to getting a general good experience to everybody? And maybe just a follow on question to that, right? Does all experiences have to be a good experience. Well, okay, come, let's break that question into two parts here, okay? Mm. First of all, all right, is there a general way to go mm -hmm. and to go and make your customers feel good? And over here, I have the precise vocabulary, which is really, really effective here, okay? Mm. And I heard this, I think, from Richard Branson from Virgin, right. and mm -hmm. he said that we should strive to delight our customers. And right. I think that that is so Excellent, you know, right? Mm -hmm. If you strive to delight your customers, then you rarely need to worry about saying the wrong thing. Right. Right. So yeah. now every interaction should be seen as an opportunity, mm -hmm. right? To go and delight the customer. Mm. And I think that if you stay true to that principle, you're generally on the right track. But yeah. let's talk about something which everyone appreciates, yeah? Regardless mm. of whether you are a high-value customer, whether you're a low-value customer, or whether you are uh, someone who is just window shopping, yeah, for example. Now, regardless of what type of customer you are, we all generally, okay, everyone is capable of feeling something called appreciation and love. Mm. People know if your frontliners, if your customer service representatives, if your website shows appreciation to the visitors, we can feel appreciation, we can feel love regardless of what ever behaviors or beliefs you have. Hmm. Right, so now then comes the trick, okay? Can you translate this feeling of appreciation for your customer, this feeling of love for your customer into a website? Mm -hmm. Can you translate it into your customer service programs? Mm -hmm. Can you translate it so that your receptionist is appreciative for every opportunity to serve? Mm -hmm. Ah, there lies the art okay, mm -hmm. of how to go and get your your people, right? Okay, mm -hmm. your your frontliners, your web developers to have that sense of appreciation. Right. And I do believe that this is where investment in your organization's human capital mm -hmm. to make them believe in your team charter, to make them believe in your organization's goals, mm -hmm. to make them believe and to invest in them so that they love themselves. And this is where it is very, very important, Nikesh. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that's, that's curious you're mentioning that because 
I, I, I didn't plan to talk about this, but that actually is really important right there because most people who work for a company, right? Because these are the people who are creating the experiences for the customer. Most people who work for the company also treat it as a transaction. They Absolutely. also, yeah, they treat it as a, I am here to do this job. I am here to do this role. I am here to do this function. So I'm going to fulfill that function. That's it. Without that buy-in into what the organization stands for, what does the product supposed to do and what kind of value you're adding into the ecosystem by going out, by either transacting value with this particular service or product that you have. And then comes the problem where over time, yeah, maybe the founder had this vision. Maybe the founder of this company had that, but it erodes over time. It erodes over time. And that mentality of numbers and figures start setting in. Now, my question is this, why does that happen? I mean, if we are people who come into a company and the founder has founded the company and that vision keeps on staying and everyone buys into, yes, I am doing this because of this immense value I'm going to add to everybody in the world. But why does that erode over time? And then, of course, the end customer feels it. Yep. So talk, two talking points over here, Nigesh. I love this conversation with you, right? Because mm-hmm. you are so sharp on the issues here. I love it. All right. So now two issues over here. The first one is this, yeah. Now this one I can correctly attribute to Richard Branson, right? Mm-hmm. To, to Sir Richard Branson, actually. My apologies. Now he was the one who said the customer should not be king. Mm. Your employees should be king because right. if you empower your employees, if they feel good, guess what? They are automatically going to be in a very receptive and appreciative mood to mm. go and deal with your customers correctly. Mm. Right. So that's the first talking point over here. Yeah. So now the second talking point, why do some companies lose sight of their vision, their mission, their whys, right? Mm-hmm. As time goes on. And over here, it comes back to everyone's favorite author, you know, Simon Sinek. And mm. 13 years ago, he came up with this wonderful TED Talk called Starting With Why, you know, the golden the circle. circle. Yeah. The golden circle, that's right. And I think that that um, 13 years later is still very relevant, although mm-hmm. we are learning more things on top of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can discuss that later, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. now starting with why. Now, companies like companies like Apple, right? Mm-hmm. They make a lot of products, right? They make MP3 players, they make laptops, they make earpods, you know, mm-hmm. they make they make phones, and mm-hmm. we are comfortable uh, buying any of them. Yeah. Why? This rarely happens for any other company. Take, mm-hmm. for example, Dell, you know, most people would only be comfortable in buying a Dell laptop. Yeah. We wouldn't really go out purposely to go and shop for a Dell MP3 player. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, why is this? It's because people buy the why of Apple. Right. They say that everything we do, we believe you deserve innovation. Mm. And they say this to their employees. They empower mm. their employees this way. Mm. And they also empower their customers that way. Mm. So that's why we believe in the messaging mm-hmm. and we are willing to go and buy anything from them. Mm-hmm. So now it's some companies lose sight of that along the way. I remember, I remember when Google, when Google was first starting out, they had such a powerful message. They said, do no evil. Do you remember this? Yes, correct. Do Do no no evil. evil. Why has that eroded over time? That was such a powerful message. And if they held true to that, you know, we wouldn't have minded them being so omnipresent everywhere today. But now we are a little bit scared of them, aren't we? Yeah, Yeah, we We are a little bit scared of them. Mm why it is because the communication has been lost stakeholders mm. you know yeah as you grow bigger you need infrastructure right and infrastructure involves involving other people who were not who did not share that very original mission or vision mm. Mm. right mm. communication is very important over time they had other priorities i would mm. think yeah right. leadership leadership plays a large role in it yeah indeed indeed and i, I observe this a lot because in the line of work that i do the number of companies, the different sizes of companies, which I deal with, I get to see it. The smaller the company, the easier for these sort of emotions or these sort of attachments to form across the company. But the larger they get, the more systems, the more processes you put into place, which is two sides of a coin, right? Because you have to do it because you have to manage a larger organization, a larger machinery. But as you do that, you kind of detach those machineries away from the core of it. And you mentioned that whole Simon Sinek thing, that golden circle, the starting with a Y. I have a differing view with that a little bit. I agree that people, um, and this is something I use as a mantra when it comes to marketing, people really want to feel. They feel 
what you're giving them. You f- they feel how you're adding value to them. That's what we need to go after. Only after that will they think of, okay, how are you going to help me? First, you need to make me feel good. And then how are you going to help me? And then finally, it's like, okay, what is exactly in this thing that you're using to help me? That's the mantra I use. But that golden circle thing, I think we need to be a bit careful because when we use that word why, it can be a little bit abrasive. When we ask a person, why do you think this way? Why are you doing that? Why, 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 why can be a little bit abrasive. My my advice here would be use what. What do you think? What do you feel? How would you approach this? And then now do you see why you feel that way? Because then a person is able to accept that. I think even if you're conversing with anybody, internal customers, external customers, it's those kind of language that you want to use. You don't want to go and ask your customer, okay, why do you want this? Right? Because yeah. the, the customers will be like, what? I came here. I came here. I'm looking at that. And you're asking me why I want that. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, okay. I'm yeah. going to come to this point. I actually really want to get your thought on this one. I am a believer that also for a good experience, it doesn't necessarily have to be all good experiences. It has to be a mix because experience by its word itself, by its core itself is a journey. It's a journey of you feeling different things and ultimately feeling that you've had a great experience. What do you think about that? Do you think that it has to constantly be a good thing or can there be variations in between that? Well, of course, um, Oh, of course, no company is perfect. Mm-hmm. There will be situations where you will inevitably let your customer down a little. Mm. Right. So now, um, you see, right? I, um, when you let your customer down, they are going to feel some uh, un- unpleasant emotions. Mm-hmm. But if you are able to manage the situation, mm-hmm. if you give them a healthy platform for mm-hmm. them to air their grievances, mm-hmm. Right? And if you can convince them that what they say matters, mm-hmm. you have taken it to heart and you intend to fix it and improve it for people to come, mm-hmm. I think that speaks volumes better than just giving than just delighting them all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah, people really need a platform to voice their grievances. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So this goes back to the I remember you mentioning this to me once when we were having a conversation on, uh, on, on parenting, right? On parenting, parenting something, that, right. something that you do very often. And I, I only recently found out, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're a single dad. I'm a single dad, yes. I, I didn't realize that until just recently. <laughs> and you mentioned human beings are generally driven by pain. They're generally driven by pain. And it's that pain that they want to be, they want to be heard. They want someone to hear, this is the pain I'm going through. And they would like someone to give them either an idea or a way how to deal with that pain. Yes, and you're quite right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I remember this very strongly when you mentioned, and that has actually shifted my perspective a little bit from, okay, I want to keep on helping a person to, wait, what is the person's pain? And then I go help. Yes. Instead of just trying to, buttress this whole thing into them. Now, back on this whole experience thing, I, I just want to give an example about this up and down kind of thing. I do remember that very recently, I think about a year to two years ago, there was a client which we were dealing with and we were about to run this bootcamp program for them. But then there was some mix up with the dates. And initially I did tell them that, look, there's not going to be a possibility for us to be, meet this date because it's just a one week away. And then there was calls coming in and like, right. yeah. there was the director from the other side actually calling me and pleading with me. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Then what happened was we scrambled. We found a way how to meet that date, put things together and gave them still a very good experience. Now, what came on at the other end was this very deep, trust from the customer because respect as well i'm sure yeah exactly because it's not just i delighted them it's the team together we found a way to deal with the problem and found a way to deal with the problem in a good way and that kind of showed the other person that okay this person is not only going to be there in the good times but in the bad times as well they can go through that with me they can go through that with this whole um, organization and ensure there's still a good experience. So next time I know I can trust this person 
So yeah. I think that that's an important thing there. And we're going to come to this whole trust thing in a short while, but I want to pick on this thing. I saw something that you mentioned recently um, and this word or this phrasing that you have and you use very, very often law of connection. connection. All right. Exactly. Yep. Law of connection. And you say this is something very crucial. So maybe help us understand what does a law of connection mean? So now this is not this is not something which I coined, yeah, okay? Right. And no, this is very separate from the law of attraction, all right? I'm not qualified to speak on that. Now, the law of connection is actually coined by John Maxwell, all right? Mm-hmm. And in his rules of leadership, in his mm-hmm. laws of leadership, this is the number 10 law. All right now, there are many aspects of the law of connection, but one of my favorite aspects is that, you know, as educators, right, we have this saying, you need to lift from where you stand. Basically, mm-hmm. when you go and lift someone up, you, when you right. uplift someone, you need to go and lift from your legs. You don't use your back you don't use your upper body strength you need to go down to their level and lift from where they stand right so now what does this mean right this is a cardinal rule of educators you can't help someone until you understand their pains or Mm. until you understand their needs stop Mm. assuming Mm. a lot of the time when you are assuming what they need you are missing the point or in other words, okay, in other words, in marketing terms, people don't really care about your branding. Mm. They care whether or not you can put them or whether you can make them into the hero. Mm. That's what it really is. Mm. All right. People aren't really interested in the merits or the advantages of your product. Mm-hmm. They are very interested to see whether or not your product can solve their needs. Right. All right. right. Or put them in the light of a hero. Right. Now, I think that this is something which we really need to study deeply, mm-hmm. all right, before we actually embark on any marketing or sales initiative mm-hmm. or any customer experience initiative. Mm-hmm. We need to really understand our target audience, all right? Mm-hmm. What are the pains? What are their nightmares? Mm-hmm. What are their best case scenarios? What are they hoping mm-hmm. from an interaction with us? Mm-hmm. Then we can go and cater our products, our services, or experience to mm-hmm. best serve them, right? right. Uh, so it comes back to a type of servant type of leadership as well. Right, yeah? right, yeah, right. Yeah. And I love the way you visualize it just now because I, I was just thinking about that, that whole, you, you've got to bend down. You've literally got to squat, bend down, and help a person lift the person up. That, that visualization right now is sticking really strongly with me because I think a tendency for a person in the know in the know, if let's say they've got experience of years of doing a particular field, or they are known as I am the trainer, I am the expert, they tend to have this air, or they tend to stand above saying that, look, I am the person who's here to uh, now bestow you with this knowledge, and I will help you by bestowing this to you. Tendency is that doesn't help, because in the end, what happens is, yes, someone's listening, someone's in awe, but they can't form that connection they can't form that connection to their reality they can't understand how this thing is going to really help me they are in awe what you do but they have no way to actually apply it do you think that's that's a good assessment of that whole thing absolutely i think that that's a beautiful metaphor now here's another one which is very very clear when people try to go and explain this all right and i love this all right so now instead of saying that this mp3 player can store one one gig worth of songs Mm, right? Just go and tell them it can store 300 songs. Now, then suddenly it becomes much more relevant to me. One Mm. gig is your talk. Mm. It's your jargon, Mm. right? It doesn't mean anything to me, but 300 songs means a lot to me Mm. because suddenly it has an emotional value. Right. Suddenly Mm. it is visualizable. Right. Right. So now that's how we should approach our sales interactions, our not just sales, marketing and leadership, sometimes communication with colleagues how we approach ourselves. Mm -hmm. We assume so much about ourselves, but we never really take the time to study ourselves, our Mm. own needs, what we like and what we don't like. Mm. I'll give you a great example, Nigesh, okay? For the longest time, I was playing video games as a youth, right? Okay, I was playing games like Dota back then we had Dota, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It wasn't until recently that I realized that Dota was actually draining me I felt more anxious every time I played. I felt more drained every time I played. It okay. was not good for me. Right. Right. Now, on the other hand, when I watch, uh, let's say, or when I read 
I feel so energized. And so if you are really connected with yourself, if you understand your own needs, if you have keen, if you have, if you have, if you listen to yourself and to others more keenly than assuming mm-hmm. your life will start to change. Right. And you said listening there. So I, I kind of want to pick on this quite quickly. Law of connection itself, right? So audiences are listening and we know human beings love quick acts, unfortunately. So how would someone make a personal connection to this phrase law of connection and apply this to themselves? Is there a way that they can start reframing how they think or how they do things to actually start applying this law of connection? Yep. And over here, this is best explained by way of a story. Yeah. Okay. Now when I was training to be a barrister, okay, mm-hmm. we had this class called negotiation. Right. Negotiation, right? We had to go and negotiate with our fellow barrister students. All right. Mm-hmm. And I was having a hard time. Our team was having a hard time with the with the opposing team. Yeah. It was a mock, it was a mock trial, as I believe. Okay, so now, and they were being really, really difficult. Mm. And so we were at a standstill at the negotiations. And so we asked our lecturer, hey, you know, what do we do here? Mm. Our our lecturer said something very simple and profound. He said, have you tried listening? Uh, Have have you tried listening? Mm. And we said, "Mm, no, because, you know, we need to go and tell them what our client wants. Mm. And he said, yeah, why don't you try listening and shut up? You know, Mm -hmm. not just in your physical mouth, but that internal dialogue as well. Mm. Why don't you kill the internal dialogue? And so that's Mm. what we did. And mm. that's all they wanted. Right. That's right. all they wanted. It, it turned out that their client just wanted to be heard. Mm. And we were not giving it to them. We were offering them a lot of things. We were offering them time. We were offering them money. But they just wanted to be heard. Mm. Mm. And so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm hearing you with this, but there's, there's always this struggle that we have. And I know personally, I face the struggle as well. It's this, I like to say, we all are people who love to help the other person. So every time we are hearing somebody, are we really hearing? Because what we're hearing is, oh, the person has a problem. Okay, I I think of this. I need to tell this person this because I want the person to know so that I can help them. Whether it is in a pure business transaction professional thing, or even if you're advising somebody, how do you stop yourself from like blurting that out and just holding it and actually listening. No, it comes back to, it comes back to mental discipline. Right. It comes back to mental discipline and over here, right? This is a deep topic, but let's talk about it. All right. Now, mm-hmm. humans, um, modern humans, especially, mm-hmm. our minds love to wonder. Mm-hmm. And wow, there's this story, which uh, we don't have time to dig, to dig into, but essentially, okay, um, there's this psychologist in, in at Harvard, his name is Dr. Matt Killingsworth, who has okay. established that a lot of our a lot of our unhappiness stems from the fact that we let our minds wander. Okay. Right? We like to think about things in the past, we like to think about things in the future. We are thinking about everything except for what we are supposed to be doing. Right. So it's the same over here. All right. Now, if our minds are undisciplined, we Mm -hmm. can't really hear what the other person is saying. It's exactly as you say, we are in a rush to go and tell them what we think. We Mm -hmm. are in a rush to absorb or to go and relieve their pain. Mm -hmm. Or, okay, sometimes it might be something innocent, like if I don't tell you now, I'm afraid that I'll forget when you finish talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. But we shouldn't be diagnosing at this point of time, especially when they have not yet described all the symptoms to us. Right. Right. Can you imagine your doctor, right? You go to a doctor and you say, hey, you know, doctor, I have a pain. And okay, here's the medicine. <laughs> That's exactly what we're doing a lot of the time. No, right. good doctors don't do that. They let right. you talk and they encourage you to talk even more. Right. They say that, what else? What else? They need to know as much data as possible so that they can go and give you a correct prognosis or diagnosis, right. sorry, yeah. Yeah, but we don't yeah. do that as people because we care too much or we have our own agendas or mm. we are afraid that we might forget, mm. right? We mm-hmm. need mental discipline. Stop your internal dialogue. Listen properly, all right? Mm. And if you forget, just ask again. They love. They would love to repeat it again, honestly. People, well, what, what's everyone's favorite topic, Nigesh? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> what, what is everyone's favorite topic? What's happening Who with me you? today? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's right. right. Okay. okay, the two things, yeah. Okay, what's everyone's favorite sound? Yeah, yeah. What's the, what's everyone's favorite sound? The the sound of their own 
name, you voice. know, when people oh, oh name. Okay, right. Name. When people say their names, they love it. Yeah, okay. Mm. What do people love talking about? People mm. love talking about themselves. Mm. So if you give them a chance to go and clarify when you seek clarification, when you give them a chance to go and talk again, mm-hmm. most of the time they're very, very willing. All right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So just because you forget some of the points you wanted to make, that's fine. You know, just ask them again. Right. Mm. It's, it's something I just want to add to that. Um as a, a hack of mine, which I, I started using in very recent times, that's helping a lot. It, in a way, it's detached from this whole active listening, but it does help with this active listening as well. You said that our mind is constantly thinking. Our mind is constantly thinking about everything under the sun because, sure, I may be sitting here talking to you, but my mind could be thinking about, oh, in um, half an hour's time, I got to go and do this. I got to take up this call. I got to go talk to this person. So, okay, let's chop, 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 get this done. Uh, let's go through the questions and uh, I'm going to force through the question. I'm not listening to what you're saying. Now, the hack that I started using was I tell myself this, that I am going to give myself time because I love when you say self-compassion, self-love. I kind of thought of it in that fashion. Like, if I stop myself from thinking about it, I'm not caring for myself as well. I am not loving myself because those thoughts are my thoughts. They are my thoughts. But what I've told myself is, okay, I recognize I have this thought. I will give myself time later today at a particular time to go through these thoughts. I will sit down myself. I have my own time to do that. Now, every time I do that, it actually empties my mind. It keeps on emptying my mind that then it makes me very present in any conversation that is going on at this point in time. Like in this point in time, I'm talking to you. Sure, there's a lot of inputs, but I'm always telling myself, this is for later. This is for later. It makes me very present with you that now while you are saying something to me, if suddenly a a thought sparks in my head that makes me feel like I want to blurt it out, I'll be like, wait, there is a time for this. I think that's brilliant, but more importantly, it is very grounded in science, yeah? Mm-hmm. Right now, um, uh, in my line of work, I deal yeah. with a lot of habit experts mm-hmm. and habit experts generally agree, right? Okay, come, let's have a mental exercise over here. Okay, okay Nikesh, sure. what do you think, <laughs> what, and listeners, okay, do chip in, uh, Sashi, of course, as well. What do you think is the best way to get over a breakup? Best way to get over a breakup? What's hmm. Best way to get over a breakup? Okay, um, this is me. I would say that do not deny yourself of all the emotions that you're going to go through. Ensure that you go through the emotions, but give yourself time to intentionally process those emotions before you start talking to somebody else. Oh. Else, you will be taking in uh, something that's going to put a plaster for you because when you feel that emotional very raw, you go talk to somebody else, you're just seeking confirmation or a confirmation bias of yes i should be feeling this way instead of why am i feeling this way so that's that's my take on it i think that's brilliant i think that that is actually brilliant and actually it is much yeah you are right okay what you say is indeed uh, very very helpful for people who are going through a breakup you're absolutely right because <laughs> uh, sorry, Ken, I, I know you're going on a train of thought, but Sashi just dropped his thought in the chat as well. This was continue to follow your ex on social media and s- so you stay motivated and work on yourself. Sorry, right. sorry. <laughs> no, just all right. Don't apologize. Nothing to apologize for. All right. So now scientists and habit experts have actually an answer for this. Yeah. Okay. okay. The best way for you to go and forget your ex mm-hmm. to get over a breakup is mm-hmm. guess what? Drum roll, everyone. Okay. To stop thinking of her. Wow, that's the most helpful and most useless advice uh, at the same time. <laughs> well, if I could stop thinking of her, I wouldn't be feeling all of these exactly. really, really unhelpful emotions, right? Okay, fortunately, they do give a bit of guidance on that. The okay. best way to go and stop thinking of someone mm-hmm. or to go and break a habit, let's say you want to stop smoking or let's say you want to go and stop um, an, an unhelpful habit, mm-hmm. right, is to designate grieving time. Ah. Designate okay. grieving time. Right. So you have, let's say, one or two hours every day mm-hmm. where you have free reign to think mm-hmm. about her as much as you want. Right. Now, the human brain works in this way, okay? When it's 11 o'clock and I think about her, I will think, okay, this is not the correct time for me to think of her. Mm-hmm. I have ample time to do that at 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So let me go and focus on what am I doing here. And that is ver- ties in very beautifully to your mind hack over there. 
Yes, if you designate time to go and journal or to go and process your thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, you will find yourself more present in the other times. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you're trying to go and kick a habit like smoking or you know gambling or whatever your wife may be, right? Uh, mm -hmm. you could designate a time for that. Throughout the rest of the day, you will slowly feel yourself weaning off that habit. Hmm. I'm thinking about it from the context of a smoker. Like if I think of smoking right now, no, 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 I'll think about it at five o'clock. But then when you think about it at five o'clock, you feel like smoking. So, <laughs> you condition yourself like Pavlov, like Pavlov's dog, right? <laughs> yeah, reward, reward. If I reward, don't smoke yeah. and I get something. Okay, I know this is why I love conversations with you because we'll have a lot to talk about and we're kind of veering a little bit away from the topic itself. So let's get back to this one. Um, there is something, again, in things that you teach others and in conversations that you have as a continuation from that whole law of connection, especially when it comes to dealing with others, people experience and customer experience. And I'm a firm believer of this and you have this word rapport, right? Rapport is an art for me of building bonds and trust. So rapport is an art of building bonds and trust. So I want to get your view on it. What you use this word a lot. What does rapport building mean? And what does, what is it actually? Well, okay, rapport building is essentially, like you mentioned, okay, the art of building bonds and trust. And, you know, um, for different people, there are different, different people want to use it for different ways, right? If mm -hmm. you are a salesperson, uh, you might want to go and build rapport with your prospect mm -hmm. so that they trust you, you know, so that they are in a receptive mood to buy, right? If you're a customer service representative, you might want to go and build rapport with, uh, let's say, a disgruntled customer, for example, so that you can go and convince the customer that you are on their side. Right, so that you are ready to hear their grievances, so that you're ready to fix the problem for them, mm -hmm. right? In the relationship, right? Uh, when things get tumultuous, right? Mm -hmm. As they are wont to do, inevitably we get into arguments. You want to be able to go and convince your partner that you are always on his or her side. So building rapport is really, really important. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important, and there are many, many ways where we can build rapport, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um. Some of the ways would be, you know, body language, mm -hmm. using the correct type of language, right? right. Active listening, showing mm -hmm. a keen interest and genuine interest in what other people are saying. Mm -hmm. All these are methods for us to go and build rapport with others. And the benefits are humongous, right? Right. Right. People buy based on feelings, you know, mm. people are more receptive to ideas, even, even well, you're not always selling products. Sometimes you're selling an idea. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to go and tell your HR manager or your boss that, hey, I need one more headcount. Mm. And you're trying to sell an idea to them. You're trying mm. to go and sell them the idea that, hey, if I have one more person, uh, what mm. idea are you trying to sell them? Is it that it will make my life easier? No. Okay. It's going to make the organization more profitable. Right. 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 So right. now that comes into the building rapport stage. If you cannot convince other people that you are genuine, you are sincere, you're mm -hmm. there, you're on their side, mm -hmm. uh, it's very hard for you to go and build that trust. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I, as you mentioned that, I remember uh, this from George Carriza. George Carriza, the guy who uh, wrote the book Hostage at the Table. And uh, there was a program which was developed from that uh, by this guy named Edward Gattaz. He was a Hollywood producer. And that program was called Inside Risk. There was one part of the program, which is all about this bond, rapport, and trust building thing. Um, how that goes is actually, you are put into a situation, you actually go on stage and you're put into a situation where you are this hostage, you're blindfolded, you're seated there, and you're made to imagine this with sound, that there is a guy, a 20-year-old guy with a gun walking around you, walking around you, and you're asked this question, what would you say to that person? And very curiously, the teaching here is you would react to say like, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Let me go away. Why are you doing this kind of thing? But the teaching was, if you ask the person like, hey, may I know your name? That starts building some level of bond with that person. That means it reduces your chance of being shot, being harmed, being, being murdered or anything like that. And I think that is a very powerful teaching right there because we always think that I do not need to build bonds with this person. I do not build, need to build a rapport with anybody. I'm just passing this guy anyway. I'm just going to the shop to buy something anyway. Or this guy is coming to my shop to buy something. I'm just going to transact, go kind of thing. But 
that bond you build with the person actually makes the person either come back to your shop again or and that one purchase purchase more yeah or word of mouth or word because, of mouth yeah because rapport is really great for building word, word of mouth referrals for you as well exactly. all right so now for our listeners who mm-hmm. are not very convinced about relationship building and rapport building let's put it in numbers all right let's put it in in numbers and data all right now um we all know that let's say the cost of acquiring a new customer is 10 ringgit for example right you Mm. might be doing facebook marketing Mm -hmm. to acquire a new customer you might need 10 ringgit yeah okay is that cost going to go down no it will never go down because you know you need to go and reach out to new customers to go and acquire a new customer exactly but what if i told you that the cost of converting this customer to a higher value product is much lower if you just spent the time to go and build rapport with him. Mm. Mm. Right. Mm. We can't go around finding new customers all the time. No, Mm. any good business organization, any good business model Mm -hmm. will have a gateway product, Mm -hmm. will have a more higher value product and it goes up the value chain. Right. Right. Why? Because customers who have bought once from you and are happy with your experience, right? Mm-hmm. And are happy with the service level, with the product, of course, the product must be solid, mm-hmm. will are much more likely to buy from you. Right. Mm-hmm. So now think of it if you if you would prefer to think of it in ringgit and cents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's much cheaper to go and convert existing customers than to go out and find a new one. Because the cost of getting a new customer is always on the rise. Right. And another benefit I think from that is as you move a customer up your product value chain or your product stack, that customer does, you use that word just now, word of mouth or influence-based marketing, which you are not spending money on, which all you spend is to acquire the customer and move the customer up the value chain and they are already spreading. And that's a lot more powerful. That's, I'm sorry to use this reference right now. We just are getting out of the pandemic, but Use pandemic R dot numbers as a reference. You know, if you have one which converts to two, look at how much it get converted over time. So think of it in that way. I, I want to dig into this. You you have that three steps you mentioned just now for that rapport building part of it. And maybe I want to just dive a little bit deeper into how someone can do these things. So when you say body language, so right. what are good body language practices? Oh my goodness, Nigesh. Okay, all right. Oh, oh, this one, is, this one is a, yeah, okay, all right. So now here's the thing, okay? Um, let's say look look at me now. Do you think that I am in a receptive mood to buy from you? No. No, no. what tells you that Yeah, for our listeners out there, what uh, Teacher Kian is doing right now, he's he's crossing his hands and he's mm. a lot more distant away from the camera. He's looking mm. away, he mm. his his eye contact is not directly with me. Um, he's pensive in his face at the moment. So those are the kind of things that I'm detecting at the moment. Absolutely. All right. So now, how about now? Hey, Nigesh, you know, do you think I'm more receptive to buying from you now? Uh, This is the teacher, Ken, who actually came into the call just now, who came into this talk just now, was open, was full of energy, which made us feel that energy at the same time. Right. Okay. So now, is is reading someone else's body language important in customer interactions? What do you think, Nigesh? I definitely think so. I definitely think so because... Um, it makes you or helps you decide mm. what you are going to respond, not react, mm. but respond to the customer. Um, I, I take it as even if someone who's folded hands or who's more closed off as well, but if you try to be super energetic and super like trying to welcome them, that may not be the best thing to do. Mm. You need to understand what to say to them. Yep. So did I get kind of get that right? Oh yeah, I mean that was definitely a very good answer compared to many of the many many answers I've heard before. But the problem is this, yeah, okay. Now, Nigesh, we are not mentalists, mm. we are not psychologists. Mm-hmm. Often, often, when we are too concerned about another person's body body language, mm-hmm. guess what? We forget our own. Oh, we point. forget our own. Now, the truth is this, yeah, okay. The truth is this. We can't really change people. Right. We can't really change people, especially if they are prospect. Right. Right. We can't really change people. The best we can do is to influence them. Right. And here, the definition of influence is really important, and we have lost sight of that. Mm. What does influence mean? Influencing someone means hoping to change the other person's behaviors and attitudes by first adjusting and changing your own. Hmm. 
Now, mm. if we are too concerned with another person's body language, mm -hmm. what a lot of us do is we start to sabotage ourselves. Ah, okay. We start to think, hey, does this person not like me? Is there right. something wrong with my speech? Right. Is there something wrong with my product? Right. Right? What can I do to make him like me now? Right. All of these things are not very helpful. Mm. It is much better, right? Yes, you have to go and get a read on the other person. Good, right? And you need to go and be able to respond correctly, just as you say, not react, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because thinking, um, thinking those self-sabotaging thoughts, that's reacting, mm. right? But responding, you're all right, okay? But most importantly, you have to go and keep your sincerity up. You have to keep mm. your appreciation up. You have mm. to go and keep that positive body language up. Just right. because he folds his arms doesn't give you the license to do the same. Right. That is a guarantee to a bad customer experience. Right. A lot right. of us are so focused on the other person, we subconsciously mirror them. They are mm. frowning, we are frowning. Right. They raise their tone, we also raise our voice. Mm. Mm. Because we are so concerned on what they are experiencing. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's really important there. So never forget yourself in an interaction. Don't be overly concerned with the other person and forget yourself in that interaction. That's Absolutely. a good one right there. Next one you mentioned about, and you put this together, help them feel important and active right. listening. So yep. what about this one? How would someone be able to make the other person feel important and listen actively. Uh, we covered the listen actively, but the feel important part. Well, feeling important is, uh, this is the building rapport stage. Uh, this is before people talk about business at all. This is about, you know, getting to know each other, getting to like each other, getting to be in a more receptive mood. Yeah, okay. Not mm -hmm. talking about business. So now we have mentioned this already, right? What does everyone like to hear? The their own name, name. right? Yeah. When other people say their names. So yeah. the first thing we really, really have to do starting today, if you must invest in yourself, invest in your memory of other people's names. Mm. All right. Remember other people's names, Nigesh, Sashi, use it often in conversation. Right. So if you notice in this entire conversation, I have not used the word you yet. I always say Nigesh. Mm. Right, right. right. Very yeah. interesting. Okay. Yes. Of, well, I don't say what does Nigesh think? No, of course not. I mm -hmm. say, what do you think? But yeah. whenever I can, I use the word Nikesh, right. right? I use the name Nikesh because to everyone, the sweetest sound they can possibly hear is the sound of their own name. Now, mm. what do everyone like to talk about? Everyone likes to talk about themselves. It's their mm. favorite topic. They're experts at, it, at this topic. Mm. People generally don't have very high self-esteem, right? Mm. And the one thing which they feel absolutely confident in talking about is themselves. Hey, right. you know, I'm an expert. I'm the only expert in the world on this. <laughs> I want to talk about it, you know? So now here's a trick, right? right. The art is getting people to talk about themselves while telling you their needs. Hmm. So you're killing two birds in one stone at the same time. You're building rapport and you're establishing needs at the same time. Hmm. So now here's the problem. All right. We often have very bad conversation starters. We like to go and ask people things like, hey, how was your day at work? Now, uh, that is a really risky question. Yes, it is. Why? Because there's a high chance that that will be a bad ending. Yeah. It will be a sad ending. Yeah. Most people do not generally enjoy their work. Mm -hmm. So they're going to say, oh, it's been a long day, I'm very tired. And suddenly, there you go. That's the prospect closed off. Or worse, if they say, fine. Absolutely. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. No, there are two things there, right? The two things there. The first thing is, uh, it comes back to body language. Sometimes mm. when people say fine, it doesn't mean that they don't feel like talking to you. Mm. It might be that they're bothered about something else. Let's right. stop assuming, right? right. You can't stop right. trying just because they say that, right? right? Now, here's the second thing though, all right? Now, don't ask risky questions. Mm. Ask questions which are guaranteed to have a good ending. Right. For example, okay? Hey, you know, if the lockdown is lifted, what, where would you go on holiday? Mm. Where would you go on holiday, you know? Now, that one definitely has a happy ending already, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can use this as a gateway to go and start talking about their childhood. Hey, have you been there before, you know? Right. Did you travel there with your family? Right. There you go. All right, mm -hmm. so now ask them questions which are guaranteed to have a happy ending. If mm -hmm. they are not feeling very happy, go and say exactly as you have said, okay? Hey, you know, why are you feeling right now? You can share with me, all right? If you feel comfortable, you can share what you're feeling with me right now. Mm -hmm. Don't go and say, hey, why are you feeling sad? No, don't. Mm -hmm. yeah, that doesn't really work, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. Um, ask right. them questions which guarantees a happy ending. 
And it seems like you're segueing into this next one that you have here, appreciative language. Ah, right? Because okay. you, yeah. you already kind of said things like, use the person's name. That's in a way appreciating that person and saying the person's name quite often itself. But what other falls into this appreciative language sphere that uh, you teach again have mentioned? Appreciative language, yeah. Okay, so um, people who are really likable, I noticed a few things about them. Number one, they have this ability to focus. They have this insane ability to focus on what they're doing, right? So if they're talking to you, they are really absorbed in you. All right. Mm. Now, another thing about really likable people is that they generally do not really complain a lot, Hmm. especially in conversations. Yeah, okay. You will see them saying things like, hey, I love this, or, you know, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you. Hmm. And generally speaking, right, this is resonant with a lot of people. People appreciate it. People like it when Hmm. the other person is appreciative. That's not to say that everyone likes it. There will be some people who are just determined to be miserable. I make up my mind already, Nigesh. I'm going to be miserable today. And oh my goodness, I cannot take this guy who is high high energy. Mm. That's just not your target market for today. All right. Right. For today. All right. Right. But generally speaking, all right, if you approach every interaction with a sense of appreciation, Mm -hmm. if you can go and think, wow, Nigesh and Sashi, I am so lucky to be able to go and spend one hour learning from you. Mm. or if I'm so lucky because I'm able to go and share some of my ideas with a wider audience outside my existing circle. Mm. Now, that air of appreciation, that air of gratitude Mm -hmm. will make it impossible for you to feel nervous. Mm. It will give you something better than confidence. Mm. Mm. It will Mm -hmm. give you a very magnetic and charismatic personality without even needing to try Right. I am so happy for this opportunity. I love talking to you. I, I don't even bother to be confident, to portray any confidence. Mm. I'm mm, just mm. having a great time here. I'm having a party over here. Mm-hmm. I hope that you will join me. You know, as you said that, two things I caught. One was you mentioned the word today. Like when some you're interacting with someone, today may not be the right day. I really feel that's very important because people don't feel the same way every day. People don't go through the same difficulties every day. People have different things they go through each one, each day. So if today is not the day to speak to person, doesn't mean it's not tomorrow. Doesn't mean it's not the day after. Doesn't mean it's not the day after. So if you just give up base or you make a judgment, you use this word teacher can quite a bit. You make an assumption that this is who the person is. Because today it was like that. This is the way the person is. That's it. You've just lost an opportunity there to really find out about that person. And the second thing you mentioned about that whole nervousness and that, that appreciating the moments you're going into. I go through this process every time I come into conversations with people, uh, especially when it's these kind of conversations. Or if let's say I'm going to go on stage to present something or I'm going to MC. I go through this nervous cycle of mine, which I'm always thinking like, why am I doing this? Oh no, what if this goes wrong? Or what's that go wrong? What this go wrong? What that go wrong? I don't recommend this for everybody, but it actually, I intentionally, again, keep that time to do that because after I go through all that, there's two things that happens. One is I've thought of every possible thing that could go wrong. So if it did go wrong, yeah, I've thought about it. I prepared. Yeah, I'm prepared. Prepared not to necessarily know what the solution is, but prepare not to be phased by it. All right. That's yes. an important thing. And yep. the second thing is what, Teacher Ken, you mentioned just now. It is, I now turn that feeling around and I'm going to start thinking about what am I really going to appreciate out of this moment here? What, what value am I going to be able to add to people? And in this moment, what am I going to get from this experience? This example, this conversation with you, I'm already getting a lot. Yes, before this, an hour before this, I was think I was nervous. I was thinking about, oh, what if this conversation doesn't um, flow so well? We don't get to talk about things. It's very mechanical. Da, 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 all that was going on. But right here, right now, this is a blast of an experience. It's I'm learning a lot. There's few moments in that conversation which has already shifted my mindset of how I was thinking about things and how I should be able to think about things in future. And that came because of that, like you said appreciative language, that confidence, and it's no more 
me trying to be confident or trying to be energetic or anything like that is just naturally happening. So two very important things you mentioned just now that I just wanted to pick it out and just mention to everybody. Thanks yep. for that. Thanks for that. So the idea is to go and take this and put it into our customer experience. Exactly. Can you imagine if every one of our customer service representatives or our web designers mm-hmm. were able to go and feel this way mm-hmm. and bring it to their interactions or their work? Can mm-hmm. you imagine a website where you get there and you instantly know this company appreciates me because they've put thought into their design? Mm-hmm. Isn't that such a great UI UX experience? Yes. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And you're mentioning about website and it's a great segue to this next one I want to talk about and bring back something you mentioned actually very early on during our conversation. Um, and also, again, Sashi is telling us that we're 15 minutes into the conversation and that actually means, Sashi, that I'm enjoying this conversation. So <laughs> it's going to go on for a while. I'm sorry. <laughs> Usually we try to keep it to 45 minutes, but this happens and it's fine because good conversations are good learnings. That's what mm-hmm. I feel. So to the point that you mentioned, we know now tech is coming into the world of customer service, customer experience. You mentioned this just now, data, 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 data. Everyone's using data to kind of automate things. This is where chatbots are coming in, RPAs are coming in. Um, Yes, it's making the work of any customer facing person more efficient. Um, Yes, they're getting more on point data. Yes, they're getting to cycle through it, but I worry, however, that it, it's kind of making things mechanical and making humans being human beings disconnected because you, you feel like you're shuffling through things. You feel like you are, okay, I've got to handle this. I've got to do this many calls today. I've got to talk to this many customers today. I've got to churn this many people through my cycling today before I'm done with my KPI. That word KPI comes up because to measure something, you need numbers, you need data. So what are your thoughts on this? Like this disconnection, how can we try to find back that balance again between that human experience dealing with someone who's a customer and sure, the benefits of tech in this space? All right. Okay. So now here, here are a couple of talking points here. Okay. I think that we don't need It might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't think that we need to be overly concerned because the industry is adjusting. So now at the start of the pandemic, everything was going digital. Learning Mm. was going digital. Our customer service experience was going digital. Like you mentioned chatbots, you know, Mm. and Excel sheets, you know, Um, Mm. you are just a number on an Excel sheet now, but that has backfired. I think consumers have spoken out and they've made their voice quite clear mm-hmm. that they do desire a bit of human interaction. Mm. Of course, there will always be the need and the desire for convenience. I'm going to put this in my cart, get out of there, don't need to go and talk to anyone, don't need someone to go and upsell meetings in a retail shop, right? right? right, right. But I think that ultimately uh, people have made it quite clear that at least for the customer service or the after-sales service part, all right, they desire human interaction they have a desire to be heard. Mm. Talking to a chat box is like talking to a wall. It's not therapy, Mm. right? Uh, Mm. So Mm. this will probably balance out. I think that customer service representatives and UI UX UX, uh, um, specialists will keep their jobs for some time to come. Mm. Now, that's not to say that we can't use data Mm. in designing our UI UX or customer experience. We can, Mm. right? We can. But ultimately, right, um, we need humans, right? We need humans to go and dictate that process, to direct that process. Right, right. And I also have this thought because, okay, I'm definitely, my role is actually the lead of the Nicole product stack. And this is actually a conversation that happened with the team very recently. It is, sure, it's supposed to be a tech product for tech learning. It's supposed to be something that is able to let anyone learn anytime, anywhere. But we also started noticing this metrics that we have called engagement. So we started noticing that initially, sure, it's high because it's a new experience. We like new things. We like new things. We like to hold on to new things. But then that whole bias remorse thing comes into play. And then we start slowly not using it as much or not liking it as much. But then we discovered that this one simple thing, utilizing the tech, one simple thing that we did actually helped just bring it all back up again. 
and it didn't need much. It really didn't need much. It just needed a maximum of five minutes of a person's time to just use the tech. And if I'm, let's say, a program manager for a particular company, I just need to appear in front of the camera. I just need to send that live stream of me appearing and saying something to them. It doesn't have to be something anchored on knowledge. It could be even, hey, how are you guys all doing this week? I hope you're doing fine. I hope your experience is great so far. Um, if there's anything, just reach out to me. You can see me. You can talk to me in the comment section below. Even that simple thing immediately raised everyone's engagement back again because they saw a human appear and it's used, utilizing the tech as well. So I think using these kind of tech conveniences, but having the human element in the tech conveniences is important. And I see that slowly, you're right. It's balancing out a little bit. When the pandemic hit or when we went really digital, I looked on e-commerce sites, it was just quick flurry of buy this, buy that, buy this, buy that, sales, 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 sales. But now there's more and more of the, sure, sales is there, but we are still here to support you. We are still here to talk to you. We are still here to be a lot more interactive with you. And I see a lot of vendors on e-commerce sites actually being super quick in replying or responding to messages when it comes to the customers. Your thoughts on that? I think you're quite right, Nikesh. And if you look at the trends, yeah, okay, even Facebook's algorithm uh, is really, really, really pushing live vendors, Facebook live vendors. Mm. They have mm. noticed that Facebook live vendors are actually very effective. Now, why is this? It is maybe at the end of the day, yeah, we want someone to pamper and flatter us when we make a purchase. Mm -hmm. Might be, I'm not sure. We need more data on this. This is really yeah. interesting though. And yeah. I wouldn't have thought of it if not for that conversation you 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 had just now. Yeah, mm. very enlightening. Mm. Very interesting, very interesting. Mm. Okay, so we do have to bring the conversation to a wrap. Um, I know that Shashi, I'm sorry, you've been dropping so many quotes and some of them are super long that I unfortunately cannot read all of them, even though they're all really good. So maybe what we can do, Shashi, is these quotes that we found when we release this episode, let's put them in the comment section because I think these are really powerful quotes, which actually links back to this conversation. But I want to read one thing out, uh, Teacher Ken, and I think this is quite interesting. You mentioned Sir Richard Branson very early on in the show. And uh, these are five things about customer service we can learn from Sir Richard Branson. Number one, continually ask yourself, is this how I would want to be treated if I were the customer? Good one. Number two, don't promise what you can't deliver and deliver everything you promise. Number three, it's all about the details. Number four, lead by listening. Number five, create value in the world. I like that last one, create value in the world. And that term value, if you adjust the way you look at it, it's no more numbers and figures. It's what people perceive that is valuable to them. And when Absolutely. they feel that, that's when they feel great and that's when they want to work with you. And that source was actually from Happy Fox blog. Thanks for mm -hmm. that, Shashi. Teacher Kim. Any last words to our audience or maybe a plug? Is there something coming up that you're going to be doing that you want our audience to know and engage with? Come and join. Anything? Hey, you know what? Um, Nigesh, I would really love to go and talk more about the law of connection and how mm -hmm. you can go and use it to go and build stronger relationships. You can lead it into self-love. You can lead it into sales and marketing. You can lead it into better relationships or parenting. Yeah, mm -hmm. And yep, in the future, if I do have a public program, I would love to go and give all of you free tickets to go and try it out. Yep, that would be great. Awesome. And if people want to interact with you, DJ Kian, what is the best space can they go to find you? Would it be LinkedIn? Would it be your website? What would it be? I think that LinkedIn is where I have the biggest social media presence. So LinkedIn right. would be a great place to go and get in touch with me. All right, great. So we'll drop Teacher Kian's LinkedIn link during uh, the release of this episode. Make sure you interact with him. I am going to definitely say this. He is a wonderful person to interact with and he will not not interact with you. Not, not interact with you, meaning he will interact with you because no matter who I've seen this with him, he actually gives all his all during any sort of interaction with anybody. Teacher Kian, thank you so much for this conversation. I know we went way above that 45 minutes mark, but that's uh, evident of how good this conversation was. Really, yeah. thank you so much for spending this time recording this episode with us. 
Okay, thank you, Nigesh, and thank you, Sashi. I had a blast of the time, and thank you, everyone who is listening in to us today. Wonderful. Take care, everybody. And this has been episode 23 of Talk to Me, brought to you by Nicole. Hope that was a good listen for all of you, and looking forward to having you with us in the next episode, released every Friday. Talk to Me is brought to you by Nicole. It's a learning experience platform that brings you AI-powered personal and contextual learning with expert curated curriculum and communities that allows any customized blended learning solutions all in one app. The team at Nicole aims to provide a tool for everyone to choose as well as accelerate their skills, growth, career, and future. So we invite you to join us. Check out nicole.app to find out more and Let's Nicole.